Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Jillie McMillan. Jillie is the internationally best-selling author of What She Knew, The Perfect Girl, Odd Child Out, I Know You Know, The Nanny, and To Tell You the Truth. She resides in Bristol, England, and The Manor House is her newest book. Welcome, Jilly. Thank you very much for having me, Danielle. It's so fun. I love the Banner House. I want to talk. I have so many things I want to talk about. But first, can you um, tell our listeners a little bit about the Manor House? So the Manor House is primarily the story of a young couple called Nicole and Tom. And Nicole and Tom are childhood sweethearts. Um, and they began, they're pretty young still, and they've begun a very ordinary life. Um, they're very much in love with each other. They're starting out. Um, but one day, everything changes because they win the lottery. And like I think many of us might do in that situation, they have a real estate upgrade. And they convert some old ruins that are in the grounds of a manor house um, into their new property, which is kind of a, it's a glass barn. It's very, very modern and beautiful. And the location is spectacular. So they're very happy. They move in. And the book opens with Nicole coming home one morning and she enters this new home. It's a smart home. It has an awful lot of features. Um, which Nicole doesn't love, but her husband insisted on. Mm -hmm. So there's music blaring. It's blaring through the house. It shouldn't be doing that if the smart features are working. So she starts to hunt for her husband. Um, he can't hear her calling because the music's too loud. And she works through the house. She's a little touchy because he's left his coffee cup out. He hasn't made the bed. And eventually she winds up on the balcony of their bedroom and she looks down and he's floating in the swimming pool and he's dead. And the book asks, was he murdered? And if he was, who did it and why? And all the action kicks off from those first few pages. It's so true. And one of the things I love about that scene is it's not just music, it's opera, which I feel like has this like, it kind of has this eerie, there's something about opera, right? That if it's really loud and you can't hear it, it really it was so... There was something really sort of eerie and dark about that, Julie. I loved, I loved that, and it, it made me. I could picture it, right? Because it's not a, it's not, it's a weird, mournful kind of sound in a lot of cases, right? For sure, for sure, and and also, it's got an, a little bit of an extra meaning in this book because Tom and Nicole are brand new millionaires. And they don't really know how to behave as millionaires. No one, there's no guidebook, right? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things they think they should be doing is, is what they think of as improving themselves. And right. Tom is getting into opera and that's why it's playing. So they don't even right. love it. It's just what they think <laughs> they should be listening to. Right, exactly. They're trying to be cultured, exactly. Yeah. So I always love to hear from, you know, authors about the seed for the story, sort of where did it, you know, do you know, can you sort of help identify where this idea came from um, and how it Absolutely. sort of developed for you. I love that. Yeah, so I started off uh, thinking about pyramid schemes um, and, and not big Bernie Madoff style schemes, but smaller ones, the kind of ones that take place in neighborhoods um, 
primarily often between women um, where people start a little business and it pulls people in. They make connections with other family members, with friends, with neighbors. Sometimes it spreads beyond one neighborhood into another. And obviously when it all falls apart, it's, it wrecks so many lives of people who live in very pro close proximity and have very strong relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so I started with that. I wanted to write about that, but necessarily that would need a huge cast of characters yeah which isn't right that suited to thrillers mm -mm. so I was grappling with it I wanted to write about money as a motive and my agent I've got to give this one to her she said what about writing about a couple who win the lotto so I had Tom and Nicole already I already knew who they were um so I just moved them into this book with and gave them a lottery win and I thought I can explore everything you know, to do with money and how money works as a motive. Yeah. With and you do hear these stories. I mean, they, there's all these statistics that say winning the lottery or, you know, likely to be bankrupt in a very short amount. Of, I mean, people just, we don't know. And it's just so much money, right? They don't know. I mean, you know, Tom buys a Maserati because, you know, it seems like the, the thing you would have to do if you had 10 million pounds of lottery money, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just very, it is really interesting to to see how people react. And actually, I think Nicole and Tom take a very conservative, you know, standpoint on it. Like they're they're determined not to be the sort of people who just burn it all. And so they're being smart about it. And yet you can't help but also become sort of prey for people that, you know, find out about that and, you know, want to latch on to your winnings, right? Oh, yeah, I think it makes you very, very vulnerable. I mean, I did some fascinating reading about people who win the lottery. My goodness, there's some rabbit holes there that you can go down on the I'll bet. Um, And people, and a surprising number of people lose it all. And not only do they lose the money, they wreck family relations and friendships and all kinds of things. Um, but they've also been under pretty intolerable pressure because people have come out of the woodwork. And it's like, once you start helping people, where do you stop? So that's an interesting thing. So one of the, the you know, point, parts of the book is that, you know, Tom has this old, old friend, Patrick, um, who, you know, is like family. The three of them, Patrick and Nicole and Tom, all grew up together. And, you know, Pat, Tom and Nicole got married. And you can see the dynamic of this. You do a beautiful job of building in sort of that, you know, Tom, um, Patrick's odd man out, right? I mean, they were all friends, but Tom and Nicole were got married and, Nicole's protective of Tom and a little bit less sort of, you know, accepting or, you know, tolerates Patrick's, you know, behavior a little bit less. So then Tom's trying to help Patrick and also keep Nicole happy. And, you know, and, and he becomes this sort of a sore point in their relationship um, because he does, he, they give him money as a, you know, a gift. And you'd think whatever they gave him was more than he sort of earned. Right. And yet, no, it's right. not enough. And, yeah. And he is somebody who, of course, has a scheme, always has a scheme about, you know, how to get, I mean, there's, and that's the thing that they're surrounded by people with these sort of schemes. So when you say you had Tom and Nicole already, that's interesting to me. So explain what you mean by that. So when I was um, trying to develop the book as, as kind of about one of these neighborhood pyramid schemes, which is, uh, by the way, there's some terrific documentaries on that kind of thing on Netflix. Um and I uh, I had begun to develop characters and I had 
begun to develop a few couples because I think that it's often the women who get involved. It's often housewives who have time on their hands mm -hmm. and you can see why because it gives you connections and it gives you something to do and often you feel like you're starting your own business and contributing back to your family and all kinds of things. I think women are vulnerable to to, to those schemes in particular. Right. Um, so I had I had thought up Tom and Nicole and I'd thought up a few other um, couples as well because I wanted to bring marital tensions in as well because money is such a source of marital tension for so many people. We rarely yeah. agree completely with our spouse about everything. No. Money, right, right, right. Um, and Tom and I just fell in love with. I thought they were great. I really liked them. Those isn't that yeah? Couple. Isn't that funny? So it's you know, how do you develop character? Are you you know, do you have tools that you use for this? Are you a, like a find their faces in, in in the world, or you know, is it do you write about them to develop them? So I'm just curious to know because everybody does uh, it a no. little differently. Uh, no, I don't do any of that. They just kind of land in my brain. Um, it's almost like they've been living in the back somewhere and they just step forward and get say, pulled. we'd be perfect yeah. for this book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then as soon as you get to know them and you start to write a little bit, you you soon know, I think. I mean, you you possibly feel this. You know the ones that you're more drawn to for either out of curiosity or because you share some traits or, mm -hmm. you know. Or a little of all of it, right? I mean, I think that's... I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, Nicole and Tom are both like, you know, they're, they're those characters that you, you root for and you also think, oh no, why, why did you do that? You know, I mean, it's sort of that, like, you know, there's this, this, they're very, they feel very universal. They feel very um, approachable. And then, and so actually let's talk about the people that live at the manor house, right? Mm -hmm. um, at the manor house, we have this sort of young couple. He's an, he, Ollie is a writer and Sasha is a yoga instructor. Um, and then of course they live there with um, the housekeeper, um, care, you know, caretaker Kitty. And that is an interesting dynamic too. I mean, the idea that that isn't, they don't own the home, but they have, they, you know, they've lived there and that's its own sort of stressor, right? Because they really don't have, I mean, they don't, I mean, she makes a little bit of money teaching yoga he doesn't make any money yet because as we, as we appreciate, he's writing his first book right. and that is not a lucrative uh, endeavor in the beginning. So, you know, so they too have the, you know, money, a different, very different kind of money stress, right? No, really no money of their own. They're sort of depending on different people. And even as a yoga instructor, you sort of are depending on these clients. You're a little, it's a little bit of a service, right? Industry. If your clients, right. if you're in a bad mood or whatever, your clients don't like you, they don't come back. So it's a, so that's interesting too. And I think um, that really determines their dynamic, right? I, I agree. And and I wanted them to also be a young couple. So I had to think of a scenario where an, another young couple could be in the manor house. I didn't want them to have inherited it. That would be a little dull. Perhaps. I mean, that's a different book, put it that right, way. Right, right. Um, but I just thought, well, this is interesting because this is a young couple who, as you say, have a very different financial setup, but they also live in the same beautiful spot. They live in a very, very gorgeous and historic old manor house, which is full of its own secrets. Mm -hmm. And they have 
kitty there working for them, which adds a whole other dynamic because it's a real contrast to, you know, Nicole, who's inherited this money. She's still quite determined to be herself. She yes. hasn't got around the fact that she wants staff or anything. She feels a bit intimidated by right. the people they deal with since they've got rich. Um, but Nicole, uh, but Ollie and Sasha are sitting very comfortably in this house they don't own and they have staff. Um, and they don't, as you say, earn a great deal of money. Ollie in particular sits on his backside in the best room in the house. I you know, know. he's so, going to be a brilliant novelist. Let's talk about Ollie. I mean, this is so this is, again, the sort of, you know, man and women dynamic. Right. I mean, Ollie is very entitled. Um, I mean, just, you know, he very much is just like, right, I'm doing the important work. This is what I need to be doing. And everybody needs to be serving me, which I, you know, is such a contrast to Tom, right, who is this. I mean, and it's, a, you know, and those two, obviously, you know, they want it, you know, Tom really wants to find a connection with the neighbors, right? Because he's isolated in this new, um, you know, this new house. And then there's this old versus new. I love that about the houses, right? There's a very old house and a very new house, which also sort of talks about class, right? So that yes. was obviously part of it. So talk to us a little bit about that, because that to me seems to be a very, the houses are a very good metaphor for sort of what's going on. Um, with sort of yes. the class. Um, they really, I really kind of went for it in terms of exaggerating what new money and old money and status kind of provide you with in terms of a, a base to live in and what that says about you. And you can just imagine the glass barn with, with Tom's Maserati in the drive, you know, it's sort of straight out of, I don't know, Beverly Hills or somewhere or, you know, Long right. Island or somewhere. And I think I I wanted to really go with that because Tom and Nicole, they're really young. They don't really know what to right. do with their money. That's the the dream they have. Yeah. Um, and it's just in such contrast to this ancient, ancient house that's been sitting there forever. And you can immediately imagine the tensions that might arise in terms of how the, the separate parties feel about each other. They want well, to be and, friends, but it's hard. Right. And the, I mean, Tom and Nicole bought this piece of property from the manor house. So really okay. they are, they have sort of settled new money on this recently purchased land, you know, yeah. taken from old money. There's a lot of really wonderful layers to that. Um, and that the relationship between the women is interesting too. I mean, the, the idea that Kitty is this much older, you know, woman and Sasha is sort of the, she's the, you know, the head of the house, right? The woman of the house. But, and yet... Yeah. There's sort of, that feels sort of backwards too. And Sasha isn't always very comfortable. She acts at sometimes very comfortable with bossing Kitty around and at other times worrying that like she doesn't really have control of, you know, of the situation and of the, her, you know, her staff, right? I, I think that's right. Sasha has got a lot of tensions going on. So she's your classic, you know, show yourself on social media as, unbelievably fabulous she's got the body she's got the home she runs the business but if you peel back that layer she's got a partner who's tricky she doesn't own this home there is somebody working in this home who she might not necessarily have hired but she's got to have there mm -hmm. um, and it's all not quite as perfect as it seems which is a kind of a cliche for thrillers but it's what we love to explore as thriller writers you know the layers beneath isn't it and and Sasha I think is a good example of that 
She really is. And I do think that there's also this really important theme about what things look like, right? What with the appearances of something. And I think everyone in this book is trying to appear, you know, a specific way. And every single person in this book has something very big to hide, right? Where they're protecting their, their hides. And yet there's also this wonderful thing, like the relationship that starts to grow between Kitty and Nicole. Like we want, like, as you said, women are isolated by, you know, oftentimes by career, if we end up at home with the children, they're isolated by, you know, I mean, that this is, I think, as you said, women are more vulnerable to these kinds of scenarios because we need community, we want community. And yet, oftentimes, because of our circumstances, we don't get it, right? So we yes. then latch on to anything that feels like community. Yeah, so Nicole, yeah, and that's that's actually an interesting point about Nicole. First, she thinks, oh, Sasha will be my friend and Ollie will be Tom's friend, but that is not going to work. They're far too different. Um, but then she does find common ground with Kitty because Kim, Kitty's actually empathetic and so is Nicole. She's yeah beneath the money. She's kind of straightforward. She was raised by women who worked, women who swept their own front front porches. Mm -hmm. You know, she has that kind of work ethic and and that's that's where she's come from and she wants to kind of maintain that and she finds more in common with kitty than she does mm -hmm. with sasha on, on that front mm -hmm. she absolutely does so what do you think i mean this is there's something about these this book which feels to me very much like a uk thriller and i don't know what i mean i, I maybe it's the old how like i mean i'm you know i'm obviously in america and nothing is as old probably in this country as that house is but um but basically i mean not quite, but you know what I'm saying. But yeah, is it yeah. a UK? Is it does? Do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like you you when you read a US thriller versus a UK thriller? And obviously, this is a gross generalization. But I'm curious to to sort of explore the differences because I do feel like sometimes I I read a book and I'm like, okay, this is that kind of, you know, this is it feels like a British thriller. Is it because you know there's all these people and this it's the, is it the ambience of this old home or? Am I making that up, Julie? What do you think? I don't know. I feel like we almost need a third party from a different country <laughs> to tell us. Yeah, and exactly. It's something I, I wonder about a lot. I mean, this book has been packaged a bit like my thriller, The Nanny, and I think in a way that I think doubles down on the British thing. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, in the UK, it's got a completely different title. Um, it's oh, it called does? Yeah, because a manor house isn't that appealing to us. We've got them all over the place. <laughs> What's it called in the UK? The Fall. Uh, I was going to see if I could show. Oh, here's the. That's the proof. Oh, my God. Is it different? That, once you're on top, it's a long way down. I love that. That is so. Yeah. Uh, so that is I, so interesting. I'm not sure what the differences are. I definitely know when I read some books. Authors like Lou Burney, I think that's a very American book. There's something mm -hmm. that feels to me as an as a British person very American in the core of his stories. Um, that's sort again, of like that noir American, though, right? I mean, that's sort of like yeah. Lou's books, which I I love Lou and his yeah. books. But I it does Lou. it's very like it's atmospheric Midwest sort of. Yes. Yes. Um, and maybe that's part of the, what I'm I'm getting from the Manor House, and it is of course so, so ironic that they they title it the manor house for us and the fall for you um, but it does I think it's also the idea that it's I mean it's a, it's it's like a Lisa Jewell does this a lot too where everybody in the book has something that's not quite um 
they're not not quite being honest about right every single person in the book right i mean right. down to really the i mean the detectives sort of every yep. and i love that because i think yep. it's and i don't know if we just don't do it because we feel like Amer we're, we really want someone who's like the you know the good guy and, and everything else is shades of gray but i i think it is a thing that that even if it's not something that's necessarily criminal or you know or even despicable like you know despicable or uh, in, in any way there's always something and i love the fact that as you're getting to the end of the story and you totally think you know exactly what happened <laughs> just like <laughs> one twist after another you're just like to the last page and you're like oh boy like you know and i love <laughs> i i think that feels british to me and i don't know we're just Listen. you know I love it. I mean, I love that. That's you guys so interesting. Everybody. I would, I, I wouldn't have identified that as as a British thriller thing, but now I'm going to have to think about that and think about comparing. Yeah, actually. I mean, obviously, both. Um, I think Americans have books like that, but I, yeah. I don't. I think it's not as much in our nature to do these like, uh, and maybe it's because we're in. There's like a sense of American impatience. You know, we have right. to like it has to be faster, faster, and so. We, you know, we streamline some of these things, or maybe it's because we're more we're we want to be idealistic and think that somebody in the story is, you know, is one hundred percent in the you know in the good, but it's not very realistic. And so I do think I don't know why I come up with that. That's just and that makes no. Totally it's so makes it's sense. fascinating, Danielle. Completely fascinating. I'm going to be thinking about that, <laughs> and I'm sure I'll, you'll you'll think about it for ten minutes and debunk it in a million ways. But it did occur to me as I was reading this, I was like, this is so. I, you know, it does, it feels so fabulously British. And I wonder if it had been called The Fall, if I would have saw, seen it differently. So I that's... wonder, I mean, I, I do think if you have place as character, like as Lou does, it does give more of a, a flavor of, of nationality. I mean, that's quite a crude way to do it, I suppose, uh, or to way to talk about it. But yeah, that would, that's an interesting question. If it was The Fall. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, how would it, how would it have changed this for us? Yeah. But, um, but it is, you know, can you talk a little bit about, so, you know, you, when you were creating these couples, uh, you said Tom and Nicole were in your sort of original draft was, but Ollie and, and Sasha came about when you sort of changed the story. Yeah, I had Sasha pretty quickly. Um, okay. I thought she was such a good foil to Nicole. That's how she came. I thought I need a, I need somebody who looks, who's almost a perfect fit for Nicole. Mm -hmm. as a friend but then mm -hmm. who perhaps isn't quite so it was it wasn't hard to 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 come up with with Sasha um Ollie took me a while because I've written about a writer before I thought should I should I <laughs> and then I thought oh, I was too tempting with the manor house and the fact yeah. that he didn't have to earn at this moment and I was just thought no it's great it's the perfect setting for him and uh he's a pain he's he's a pain yes he's such yeah. a pain isn't yeah. it but Annie and his his sort of, and I and you have to read the book, so I'm not gonna say anything, but the level of entitlement is sort of just through the course of the book, like he's it's like for a very clearly he's an incredibly smart person, but he's not that bright about a few things, right? He's not very uh, self-aware. Um, no, which no. I which and I, I love. have to say he is I enjoyed writing him so much because he's the absolute opposite of all working writers that I know well right. of my right. friends you know male or female everybody nobody's like that and but that's what a lot of people think I think um, writing I know like. exactly <laughs> exactly 
that we just think, yeah, that we just sit in a room and think we're brilliant, which of yeah. course yeah. is totally, is that exactly with the opposite? We sit in a room yeah. and think we're idiots. We think we're, yes. you know, yeah. talentless and, and, and stuck forever. <laughs> but it is interesting. I do think there's something, and, and, you know, you can, we can all speak to this, that first book, when you do have a little bit more of a, I, at least I did. And I think it's naivete more than anything else that you think, mm -hmm. oh, I am, I got this. Look at me. I am so good. And then, you know, and then the end happens and, you know, and of course. I, I think I have that sometimes with the odd sentence. I go, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. But not that's a book. as far as it goes. You yeah, know, then, exactly. And then the next minute I'm like, yeah, but the book's terrible. The you know, I'm terrified of this and this is awful. And, you know, it's hard to sustain it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but as a debut, as a debut, I think you what I didn't know about the industry was everything. And so I think if I did have hope, it was based on a completely fabricated idea of what a writing life was like. Right. Well, that is, I, I agree with that 100%. And I think that's what's so, that's what's so clever about Ollie. And so, uh, and so entertaining. I mean, I think, I think you don't need to be an author to think Ollie is an, is a entertaining character. But I do think if you are an author, then there's a little <laughs> extra, or if you, you know, if you're somebody who follows authors and knows what authors go through, then you, there's a little extra sort of, uh, in, joyous kick in Ollie because he's, yeah, he's very delusional about what, what the, yeah, at he, least. Yeah. He's a gift to my writer friends, really. Yeah, exactly. To everybody he, else too. <laughs> exactly. He gets to, we get to something to laugh at when the days are hard. Um, so tell us, I mean, you know, are these out the same time in the, is it in the UK and the US? Uh, no, the U UK edition came out, um, much earlier this year and it's coming okay. out in, paperback in a, in a, a really different cover, actually a really cool cover with the swimming pool on it and the, and the body in it. Um, uh -huh. it's coming out in February in paperback here. So uh, it's on a okay. very different schedule. Isn't that so, I find that really interesting. That's gotta be a little hard. You're like, I already did this book and now I'm, um, <laughs> so you, you must, I mean, so what, tell us what's coming next, because it sounds like it should be, you got something in the hopper, I'm sure. It should be, but I've had a very slow year. I wrote a book a year for eight years and oh. hit a big fat brick wall this year. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to slow down for a little bit. So I do have something new in the works. I am very excited about it. It is a thriller. It's a little bit different from what I've been doing. And that's about all I can say about it. I'm about to send it to my agent, so we'll find out. <laughs> well, let's actually, though, I think we should, let's, let's talk about that for a second, Julie, because one thing that I, we don't often talk about and every one of us has gone through is that like, this is not sustainable, this one book a year. I, I, don't, I mean, I know the business wants it, readers want it, I mean, obviously we would love, we love the idea of it, yeah. but to get one book out a year, how much time off do you have? I mean, none, if you're doing a book a year, because by the time you finish promotion or even by the time you finish before you've done copy edits and proofread, you have to be thinking about the next one. And that, I, that, that's how I do it. Anyway, I don't know about you. How long does it take you to write a draft? I mean, I, the problem with me is I'm a quick drafter, but then usually I have to throw the entire draft away. So, you know, four or five months and then I have to shred it and it takes four or five months to redo it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not sustainable. And I did realize that I had, I do not have a book coming out in 2024. 
And I okay. did realize we have a that... little club we can start, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> See you um, in 2025. Exactly. See you in 2025. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping. I'm still uh, anyway, but uh, it's neither here nor there. But I do think I talked to another friend about this yesterday. I do think it's not. I, I, we're you, you know, and we know like we're so we know we're so lucky to do what we love to do. So we're not. This is not a bitching session about being a working writer, but it is a session about the idea that you know you can do this, and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you think I'm tired. I've got, I don't have you know my, and you probably also we're not just writing, right? We have a, a house to to lead and where you know we have families we're taking care of and it does you get sort of burnout and you think I need some nothing new is coming I think I need to fill the well so good for you and and, and if I did get ideas I was having ideas but they weren't good enough to make a book and I think you know I am so full of respect for a lot of friends of mine do a really good quality book every year but I just thought this is not going to be good quality if I do it Right. So yeah, I called it, and um, and I hope the next one will will be good, better for it, you know. Oh, it will. And also, don't you think you'll you'll be a little better, right? A I little, so. <laughs> a little. I mean, just a little sharper, a little more grateful, a little bit more rested. There is yeah. a sense that you can squeeze. You know, you can only squeeze blood from a turnip. For <laughs> that's not the right saying, but you know what no, I'm saying. I, it's, I get it. You're I get out. It. Yeah. You're out. And I I actually think that happens, and I think you have to respect it. Because it's a job, but it's there's also some magic to it. Yeah, and you, you I, can't yeah, and there's there's it. the really important thing of quality control because it's in the end our job. The only thing we really have control of is what we write and how we write it um, before it goes through edits. And if you feel like you're slightly losing control of that, that's a problem. And I do think we see people who who are you know so determined you know and so pressured for lots of reasons you know contracts finances to stay on the book a year that then the book suffers and as you said you know uh it's really not the it's not in our best interest it's not in the best interest of the book and I I hope you got support for that like I hope that you're yeah which is yeah I, think I, that's I mean a, I kind of I kind of dug my heels in because it was it became clear very quickly that it it was gonna have to be that um so I did I was a bit stubborn and, and I was very grateful that people were supportive and also I want to make clear I don't think that people writing a book a year the quality necessarily suffers at all oh it just no for me yeah right some do it stunningly well yes and I I agree with you and some people are just naturally they're better first drafters or they're faster yes. or they're yes. you know or they're younger I mean I feel yeah. this now I'm, I'm like I'm 53 I'm not same. As, you know we are the same age <laughs> I am not as like up for you know I don't write until midnight the way I used to and then bounce back up in the morning and think oh I got it again everything is a little bit slower so I think my productive period has been compressed till about from between about 10 a.m to about 12 a.m 12 in the morning yeah right I I feel like 10 and 2 those are my best hours I'm like yeah four hours but then you know life is life gets in the way so no I I agree with you there's there's and there's authors that put out I mean some authors put out more than one book a year and still do it I don't know how I don't know how they do it I mean Alison Brennan writes like two or three books a year that's insane. So I'm that's, not for sure. It's not enough. a rule. Yeah. 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 I wish I was one of them, but I am definitely yeah. not. So, <laughs> but 
but okay so we have this america you have this to look forward to if you haven't already uh snapped it up but i know it's out already in the u.s because i know our interview is a little bit later than i wanted to get it in but um but we got i'm so glad we did i love that it's called the fall it's such a different this is so atmos this is probably what makes me think of a british novel look at the you know it looks like it's raining and, uh, and it's you know it's uh, it's got the fog and the and the manor house and the woods anyway I, they did a great job i love but i love that there's a total difference sorry i lost you there a second danielle i saw it i saw it. i got i went a little unstable there um i was just saying that i think this is such a this is what made me think probably of british novels is this is this eerie foggy wet cover right i mean it I looks love like it. i love it too they so showed me a version that Sorry, carry on. No, go ahead. They showed you a version. They showed me a version that was kind of green, which was very oh. beautiful, but we went with that just because of the atmosphere. Yes, I like the gray. I, I it's a deep, in fact, sometimes I try to like think about matching. Here I am in my cozy. Ah. Um because it's it's actually raining. I'm in Montana and it's it should be snowing, but it's raining, so it feels like raining it feels like too. this kind of day. Yeah. 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 Time to time to get a cup of tea well you're done with your day i hope so i'm done i'm nearly done yeah so. <laughs> well, time for a cup of tea. i'm so excited um i think people will if you haven't read it uh julie mcmillan and this is my first of your book so i've seen you everywhere but i just hadn't had an opportunity to read you yet and oh, now I'm well thank you thank you for reading it very much looking forward to going um back to the others and good luck with your new project um I say congratulations for recognizing that you needed to take more time. And um, I know it will serve the book and you, you know, it's what you needed. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to hear from somebody who gets it. Yeah. I, this has been that year for me too. So I, do, yeah. I absolutely well, get Right it. back at you then. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We'll get there. Well, 2025 will be our yeah, year. We will. Um, so everyone, this has been Julie McMillan and Julie with a G, if you're looking for her um, online and you're listening, um, Julie McMillan's The Manor House, um, such a, such a wonderful atmospheric read. And Julie's obviously brilliant. Um, it was so fun to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And we will see you next time on Killer Women. Bye.